If you have the Lord's Word, uh, if you will turn with me to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, as we continue to study uh, this wonderful uh, letters of the great apostle, we are getting to the end of the first century. Uh, there is beginning to be, and actually there, never, there always has been, false prophets who would come alongside. Satan is the author of all lies. Satan absolutely hates anything that Jesus Christ hates. He hates the church. And he will do anything and everything to disturb the fellowship of the New Testament church. He will do anything he can to destroy the New Testament church so that the Lord Jesus Christ will not receive the glory from his bride. You realize the church is his bride? How would you feel if somebody mistreated your bride? I know some of you men. I know what you do. You'd get up in arms, wouldn't you, if somebody mistreated your wife? Well, Satan hates God's people. And there were some false teachers that were beginning to teach. It had not become a full-blown doctrine just yet. That didn't happen until about 140, 150 A.D., this is probably around 90-something A.D. when John is writing this. But the, the beginnings of this Gnostic teaching, the beginnings of this false teaching, really robbed Christ of the glory that He rightly deserved. Because those false teachers were teaching that Jesus wasn't really a human being. He just appeared to be. And the reason why they believed that is because they thought that all matter was good or all matter was evil and all, everything that had to do with the Spirit was good. It was some of the philosophy that was being taught during they day, their day and time. And so they bought into that false teaching. And they began to lead members of John's congregation. John was pastor in Ephesus at the time. And they began to lead some of John's followers away from the church. John is writing to those who not only have left, but those who are still in the church who are honestly considering following the false teachings that they were hearing. Now you can, you can imagine how that would happen. If your best friend in, in the church came under this false teaching and began to believe in it and got excited about it, what would happen? You would be really tempted, wouldn't you, to go be with that person? You would be really tempted to go spend time with them. I, I remember I was pastoring uh, the church in Halls Westside, uh, Baptist Church in Halls, Tennessee. And it's, uh, I had a deacon and his wife who uh, he was getting a little bit older. They had moved to Dyersburg, and they really needed to move their membership up that way. And so uh, when I got ready to leave the church, they decided that was a good time for them to make a break with the church. And so they were going to start going to First Baptist Church where my uncle, uh, Buddy Boston, was pastor. And they were going to start going there. But I went to say goodbye and actually to take back some golf clubs. My, this deacon one day brought me some golf clubs and and dropped them off on my porch and said, here, learn how to play. And I wish, if I'd have known what I know now, I'd have given those golf clubs back to him and said, you just keep them. But anyway, uh, 
I didn't, so as we were leaving town or a few about the week before we left, we took these golf clubs back to him. He wasn't there, but his wife was there, and Lisa was with me, so we went in to visit for just a minute uh, to tell her goodbye. And, and she asked me a question. She said, Preacher, what would you think if I started going to the Methodist church? And this particular Methodist church was pretty liberal. And I said, well, why in the world would you do that? I mean, their theology is so different. I mean, her husband was a deacon, a chairman of deacons for a while. And I said, why in the world would you want to go, go there? And she said, well, that's where all of my friends go. And so we're tempted sometimes to follow our friends rather than to follow the Word of God. And these are the kind of people that John is writing to. John has got the heart of a pastor. He loves his little flock. He loves his congregation of believers. And he wants what's best for them. Last week we talked about in the first four verses uh, the, the fact of who Jesus is. He pointed out that Jesus was the eternal Word. He was, was in the beginning with God. He was the incarnate Word. That which we have heard and that which we have seen with our eyes and we have looked upon and we've touched with our hands concerning the Word of life. Not only is He the eternal Word and the incarnate Word, but He is the life-giving Word. In Him was life, uh, as John would say over in his Gospel and that life became the light of men. He also was the declared Word. He said in verse 3, That which we have seen and that which we have heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So He not only is the life-giving, the eternal Word, the incarnate Word, the declared Word, but He's also the written Word. Look what it says. And we are writing these things so that your joy may become complete. And we, we talked about how the Word of God is not just something that is happenstance. It's not like somebody just sat down today and decided, I'm going to write a letter to one of my good friends. No, men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of the living God. And so these are the very words of God, and the reason why they were written down is so that our joy might be complete. Did, you, did your heart... Does your heart overwhelm with joy when you get to read God's Word? Do you ever get excited about what God says in His Word? Brother Eddie, you get excited about what God says in His Word? It's exciting when you read God's Word because God's Word is life-changing. And it tells the story, the wonderful story of Jesus and His love for us. So tonight we're going to look at beginning in verse 5. And John again is writing addressing all these issues. He said, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah, that should have been right there in the text. John should have put that in there. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. 
Now, I want to ask John, John, why don't you tell us what you really think? You know, he, he doesn't pull any punches here, does he? Now, let's just read the very first two verses of the next chapter. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not only, uh, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, I simply pray that, Lord, we would grasp what John is trying to say right here in this passage of Scripture. So that our hearts will not be drawn away into falsehood. So that we will truly walk in the light as you, Lord, are in the light. And Father, I pray that and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the use of light and darkness is pretty common to most religions in the world. That which is light is good and that which is dark is considered to be evil. Uh, the Gnostic teachers really grasp a hold of John's gospel, first of all, and then his letters. In fact, one of the very first commentaries that we have written on the Scripture was written about 120 A.D. by a guy named Basiliads. And Basiliads was a uh, supposedly a, a priest. He lived in North Africa, and he wrote this, this uh, commentary on John's gospel, and it was a Gnostic writing. He wrote from the Gnostic point of view. Now, what was this? We talk, kind of talked about it, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, but in this particular uh, teaching, these Gnostic teachers or these pre-Gnostic teachers or the false teachers that John was addressing, uh, they could twist the metaphorical imagery of John to make it say something that John never intended to say. Uh, if we go back to John's gospel, we see that he used light and darkness to describe ways of living. For the Jewish person, when, when they talked about walking, they were talking about this is the kind of way you need to live consistently. That's what they're talking about when they say walking. It means you need to live in the light. You need to walk in the light. And so light for John is living in fellowship with God and doing God's will. Darkness is living without God and opposing God's will. Let me say that again. If you are living in the light, light, if you're walking in the light, Light is living in fellowship with God and doing God's will. Darkness is living with life without God and opposing God's will. Flip with me over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And look what he says in verses 4 and 5 in verse 9. We have this wonderful testimony that John gives about Jesus. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But he gets down to verse uh, 4, and he says, In Him, in Jesus Christ, in Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then look in verse 9. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming or has come into the world. 
John here in 1 John, if you'll go back to where we were, in this particular letter in 1 John, John picked up on this metaphorical language that he was using in the gospel of John. Jesus Christ in him was light. Jesus is the light of the world, guys. He is the true light that has come into the world. And that light was the life of men. If you invite Christ into your heart and your life, you have experienced what true life is really meant to be. So John, in his use of this language, gave these false teachers a vehicle to propose a different ideology, a different, if you will, theology, a different belief structure about God. They, they used and twisted his teaching about light and darkness, about Jesus being light. And if you don't know Jesus, you're in the dark. They twisted that to say that uh, what God, you know, they used the idea, and we talked about this last week. Let me just remind you again about the teachings of the Gnostic or these false teachers that, that were teaching in John's day and time. They really honestly believed that everything that was spirit was good. And everything that matters was matter was evil. So they used the imagery of light and darkness. Light was good. Darkness was evil. But what they said was the key to this having the light is not knowing a personal Lord Jesus Christ what their idea was, if you were living in the light, you had the true knowledge of who God really was. You had the true knowledge that God is good and He is spirit and He is light. But matter, this earth and everything to do with this earth is evil and is, they use the imagery of darkness to describe this. But John wanted them to understand that Jesus was a real person that came to this earth. He became one of us. He was the true light that has come into the world. And so John, as he really attacks the teaching of these false teachers, he uses three if I say or if we say statements to identify the false teaching of his opponents. The first, if we say, is found in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, in English, it's sometimes hard for us to really capture the full meaning of what's going on here. In the Greek language, there's, there's if statements. If and if, if and if. I can't even get my tongue untangled here. If and it really will happen or if and it won't happen. In this particular case, John is using uh, an if statement. And there evidently this was one of the statements that the false teachers were actually using. The language structure that's used in this particular case. John is saying, if we say or if you say... Uh, if we say we have fellowship while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. John has already said 
that our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Our fellowship is personal. God is not far removed from us, as they taught. They said God was good and He was spirit, so there's no way He could have created earth. God exists so far up in the heaven that nobody can really know God. He is unknowable. And the way to be enlightened, the way to come to this, is to have this intellectual knowledge and to understand that God is so far removed that we can't have anything to do with Him. And John is saying, no. Our fellowship is with God and with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ, as He's going to say in just a minute, is the propitiation of our sins. He's the one that came and paid the price for it. Jesus actually became one of us. God is a personal God, and we can truly know God. Now, we can't know everything about God because we're not God. But we can sure know about God and we can have a relationship with Him because He is a personal God. And part of the wonder of the incarnation, part of the wonder of Jesus becoming a human being is that we can truly know Him. You see, Jesus came to reveal to us what God's like. He came for us to help us understand how a human being can have a relationship with God. I love the way Jesus is talking with his father all the time. He's modeling for us and for his disciples how you have an interaction with God. Jesus said, you know, he'd get it somewhere and he'd pray and said, Father, when he gets to the tomb of Lazarus, he gets there and he said, Lord, I thank you that you've heard my prayers. Lazarus, come forward. I mean, that was the extent of his prayer. He said, Lord, I thank you that you've already heard my prayer. He'd already been praying about Lazarus. He'd already known. He didn't have to go back and ask the Father again to do something because he'd already been praying to the Father. His relationship with God was personal. His relationship with his disciples were personal. They could know him. They could touch him. They could feel with him. We've already seen that. Jesus Christ condescended. He became a human being so that you and I could know the triune God. God's not far removed from the earth without any interest in what happens, which is what those false teachers were claiming. And they were saying, we're still in fellowship with God because we have the real truth. You guys aren't because you don't know. And John says, if you say that you walk in the light, when you're in the darkness and you have fellowship, if you walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Uh, If we say... That we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we're, we're telling a lie. He basically was calling these false teachers liars because they were teaching doctrine, information about who God was. That's what doctrine is, information about who God is. They were teaching information that was false. And so what John wanted them to understand, you can't be out of fellowship with God's people. You can't be out of fellowship with God and say that you're walking in the light because you're lying. It's impossible. Contrary to what these false teachers were teaching, you don't have to learn some kind of special secret knowledge to put you in fellowship with God and His people. If the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, you have fellowship with God and with Jesus Christ. And guess what? If you're in fellowship with God, then you're in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of y'all have ever just walked into church building sometime? And immediately when you walk in that church building, it's like you're home already. It's like you're connected with all those people. Well, how does that happen? You don't know those people. You know Jesus Christ. You're in fellowship with God. You're in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that automatically connects you 
and helps you to have fellowship with other believers in Christ. We can walk in other churches and feel right at home, can't we? And the reason why is because we're in fellowship with God and we're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. These false teachers were claiming they were in fellowship with God, but they were walking in darkness. They were lying and they weren't practicing the truth. You know, it's a shame to me. Did you have so many believers today in the world in which we live? We've become such an individualistic society that we live in today where people think that fellowship with other believers in Christ is optional. They say, oh, it doesn't really matter. I can, be, I can be saved. I can be a Christian. I can be spiritual without going to church. They're lying. I was going to tell you, they're lying. God has commanded us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. When we choose, when we say to ourselves, it does not matter whether I go to church or not. It doesn't matter whether I have fellowship with other believers. We're lying. Because it does matter. God said it mattered. God tells us, the book of Acts, if you go back to the church, the very first church, go back to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when Peter stands up and preaches, and all those people enter into the fellowship of the church. You know what it says? The Lord added to the church daily those people who were being saved. God never meant for any Christian to live by themselves the Christian life. In fact, I guarantee you, if you try to live the Christian life by yourself, apart from support and love and concern and prayers of your fellow believers, you will fall flat on your face. You will end up being a lukewarm Christian at best. It's kind of like when you take a coal out of a, out of a fireplace. You ever done that? Take a coal out and it'd be burning, steaming, burning hot. You stick it out there on that hearth. In just a matter of minutes, it's already not glowing red. And in just a matter of maybe 30 minutes or so, it's completely cold. That's what happens when you take yourself out of the white hot fellowship of God's people. So he says in verse 7, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from and in this case, it's probably better translated every sin because the adjective that's used there is singular. I think John, in this particular case, I think all it works. I think all is fine. But in this particular case, if you go and you look at the adjective in Greek, it's a singular adjective. And it refers to every sin. What sin is he talking about? Well, the sin of saying that you're having fellowship with God, but living in darkness, that he's addressing a particular issue in that particular congregation. The claim is false because you're walking in darkness. A person's lifestyle is what we're talking about when we're talking about walk, walking. If you're walking apart and living apart from God's fellowship with God and fellowship with Jesus Christ and fellowship with God's people, you're lying. For John, the truth was something that was to be lived out, not simply an abstract proposition to which somebody, which you give mental assent or agreement in your mind. What John is trying to tell us in this passage of Scripture is, you cannot shatter the unity of the community built on the teaching of the apostles and claim to be teaching apostolic truth. These guys were telling, these false teachers were saying, 
we've got the truth just as much as John does. No, they didn't. Because they were teaching a lie. They were teaching something that was not part of what the Lord Himself had taught to the people. To walk in the light, light is to join hand in hand harmoniously in the community following the apostles' teaching. Walking in the light issues in fellowship with one another. Christian fellowship, God's kind of fellowship is built on the blood of Jesus Christ who literally cleanses us from all sin, from every sin. I think John was not only speaking to his congregation, I think John was also speaking to these false teachers. He really hoped that they would understand and that they would be convicted that they too could enter into this fellowship. The Lord Jesus Christ would forgive even their false teaching if they would turn around and repent and turn back to God. Jesus' blood cleanses us from every sin. Again, it's not a plural, it's a singular adjective. Every sin. What, what's, what was he talking about? I think he was talking about this one fact of these guys who were claiming they were teaching God's truth, but they were really living out a lie. And they were leading other people out of John's congregation to believe their lies. And what they were doing is literally destroying the unity of the church. How important is the unity of God's church? Did not the Lord Jesus Christ in His high priestly prayer pray that God would make us one? Do you know you and I don't have to create unity in the body of Christ? It's already been created. The Holy Spirit creates unity within the body of Christ. What does the Scripture tell us we're supposed to do? We're supposed to strive to maintain the unity of the Spirit, not create the unity of the Spirit. We're commanded to strive to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Do you know what happens when you fall out of fellowship with a brother or sister in Christ? You disrupt the unity of the body of Christ. How many Christians do you know that have gotten mad at another Christian? And have stormed out the door and never come back again. Guys, that's sin. I don't know any other way to say that. It's sin when you do something like that. Because Jesus prayed that we would be one. And when we're not one, it reflects on the New Testament church. Let me tell you how I know that. I was pastoring a church one time. We, we were having some issues in the church. In fact, it was so bad, Brother Eddie that the people that were sitting on this side of the congregation would vote one way, and the people sitting on this side of the congregation would vote a different way. Almost every vote in that church was like 52 to 48 or something like that. It's the craziest thing i ever seen. So, and one time, they got to fighting so bad one night, I just said, guys, we're done. We're done. I said, this is not honoring Christ. It doesn't honor the unity of Christ. I said, this business meeting, I said, that we're, the Bible says things are supposed to be done decently in order. This is not in order and it's not decent, so we're done. I called on somebody to pray and I walked out the side door before I said something because I was hot and I knew if I said something, it'd be the wrong thing. And I made a beeline. Our parsonage was across the parking lot about 50 yards that way. And when the amen was said, I was standing at the door with my hand on the door handle and I opened that door and I went out that door and I went to my house because I knew if I said something, it'd be the wrong thing. Guys, Jesus has prayed that his church be unified. It's not about what you want. 
It's not about what I want. It's about what the Lord Jesus Christ deserves and what the Lord Jesus Christ wants. When we come to business meeting, it's never to, to uh, offer our opinions. Our opinions don't matter. My opinion doesn't matter, neither does yours. When you and I get together, it is to seek the mind of Christ and make decisions that will bring honor and glory to His name. That's what we're supposed to do. And when you and I disrupt the fellowship just like these false teachers were doing, when you and I disrupt the fellowship of the church, we are sinning and we are walking in darkness. We are not walking in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. John says, if we say we walk in the light as He is in the light, or if we say that we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness... We lie. We lie to ourselves. We lie to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we lie to God. If we think we can walk in darkness. And disrupt the fellowship of the body of Christ. And everything be hunky-dory. Because it's not. That's another good Tennessee saying. Hunky-dory. In case y'all wondered about that. Kind of like yonder. Over yonder somewhere. Uh. I get so excited. I better stop right there. We'll talk, we'll talk about the other if, if we say. There's two other if we say statements that evidently these false teachers were making false claims. And John will say, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. Then He says, if we say we've not sinned, would you believe these false teachers were saying, well, we haven't done anything wrong. It's those people over there who are doing something wrong because they're not listening to what we're saying. Is there, have you ever been in a Baptist church and seen that happen? Come on, be honest. Now, I got to preach, quit preaching going to meddling. But anyway, we'll talk about those other two next week, but we're running out of time now. Let, you know, let me just kind of wrap this up. Guys, John, the great apostle, probably up in his 80s, maybe even his 90s at this point. He literally loved God's people and he loved God's church. Can you imagine how heartbreaking it was for him to see these false teachers come in here and literally wreak havoc in the church? I've seen it happen time and time and time again in God's, God's family. And it, as a pastor, is absolutely heartbreaking. I'm so glad that we're, as far as I know, there's nothing like that going on in our church. But guys, we need to be on guard because if we're not, we're, we can fall to that temptation as, as much as anybody else can. We need to keep our eyes on Christ. The great news is if we confess our sins, what? He's faithful and just to forgive us. You got any sin in your heart that you need to confess to the Lord tonight? Here's what I know. If you'll be sincere with Him, if you'll be honest with Him, if you'll seek His face, if you'll lay it on the altar, if we confess, He will forgive us. Not only forgive us, He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We'll talk about that next week. Let's go to God in prayer.